arrived. We are broadcasting Raw Live from my ass. Boom, boom. I'd rather watch two old women slap my ass. <laughs> Woo. That's as tough as a chunk of my ass. Here comes the biggest ass. The big man is back. Jim Ross. 350 pounds. Say hello to my ass. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the greatest spectacle on earth. My ass. 30 men will enter. My ass. You know what I mean. The most important thing to a tag team is my ass. I totally agree with you, JR. Here you go, King. Kiss my ass. I wish you would jump on top of me, JR. It disgusts me to see my ass. My daughter's nursery rhymes are more aggressive than this. I can't help but look at the butt, JR. What? Welcome back to the Deep Six Wrestling Podcast. It is April 28th, so it's Wednesday. You know what that means. We're back with another weekly review of AEW Dynamite. This is the Deep Six Wrestling Podcast, and this is our AEW Dynamic Dynamite review. Uh, I am the current Deep Six champion, retaining for our predictions from Impact's Rebellion pay-per-view. And joining me... Oh, I should say I'm Pat, by the way. That's my name. Uh, joining me, finally making his return to the Dynamite podcast, is none other than the loser of our Impact mm. predictions. Yeah, not not too happy at all. Um, I did really bad. Um, and it's just the it's just the trend for me. I'm really bad at predicting Impact uh, pay per views and stuff. Hey man, you could have you could have gone for the good. double count out, but uh, it did not happen. Uh, yeah, no, you weren't going to bait me. Almost. No. <laughs> Almost. <laughs> sure. Sure. Uh, regardless, uh, we did put out a review uh, on Sunday for the Impact pay-per-view, so if you watched and haven't listened, you can find it on our YouTube channel, since we're now posting the podcast on YouTube. And you can also find it on the normal podcast feed, whichever you would like, so be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel for more of that. You can also find our Prediction Punishments, which Joey has already started. I have yet to upload it, but he has started his prediction, or the Punishments for Rebellion, um, where he will be reacting to and commentating over uh, three TNA slash Impact matches that me, Ryan, and Angelo chose for him, Mm -hmm. Uh, which begins with, what what was the match you watched? It was... uh, It was uh, Charmel and the Beautiful People... uh, versus Roxy, um, Taylor Wilde, and OBD. OBD. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry. Okay, yeah, so there you go. In a six-women's tag match, yep. Do you have, uh, for for those, well, nobody's seen it because I haven't put it up, but what's your, uh, what's your, like, your little preview? If you were going to, if you are just going to have to say what you thought of the match, just, like, some short thoughts. So... Going into the match, if if I'm, you know, calling this correctly, I believe this match was over Booker T's locker room. <laughs> what? Uh, something like that, dude. I don't know. They cut like a promo in the uh, in the beginning, um, and they were talking about Booker T's locker room and the rights to it and stuff. Um, talk, the beautiful people were talking about they needed more real estate. I really don't know what the point of this was, but supposedly Charmel and uh, um, ODB had beef 
That's what it seemed like. Uh, but yeah, um, so that, so, uh, just, just think about that, and, uh, before you, uh, watch the match. Yeah, okay. Um, the other matches Joey will be watching is the infamous, uh, Jenna Maraska, oh god, Jenna Maraska, excuse me, versus Charmel match. Uh, as well as a match from Impact last year, which is Rhino versus Hernandez, I believe. Yeah. For, uh, for the wad of cash that is an ongoing storyline in Impact. So. Wasn't that, like, cinematic, too? It, I don't think it was, like, cinematic. It was, like, I think it was done, like, like all, like a, like, a backstage, yeah. like, brawl type thing. Okay. So, uh, you have that to look forward to if you subscribe to our YouTube channel. So, if, you, if that sounds appealing, be sure to go subscribe, and you'll see that when it comes out. Yeah, um, check out my uh, beautiful uh, commentary. Absolutely. Uh, coming up in the coming weeks, we have... What do we got? Uh, tomorrow, Ryan... It'll be Ryan, just Ryan. Maybe I'll join him to, to make it less uh, painful for him. But Angela will be missing uh, their Impact Review tomorrow night. But it's the Fallout show from Rebellion. Kenny Omega will be on Impact as the new Impact World Champion. Um, and so there will be an Impact review tomorrow. So be sure to tune into that. Uh, coming up, we will probably have more New Japan reviews coming out because Wrestling Duntaku is on May 3rd and 4th, I think, uh, next week. So Yeah, I believe so. We will have that. And then, obviously, Blood and Guts is next Wednesday, so we'll have a review for that as well. So, uh, be sure to subscribe to the podcast if you're not, to get all of that cool content. And you can also follow us on YouTube, as I mentioned. And also follow us over on Twitter. That's where we mainly post when episodes get released. It's uh, at Deep Six Wrestling. So, yep. be sure to Absolutely. do that. Absolutely. Yep. Um, and it's free. And, you know, if you change your mind, you can always uh, undo it. So That's true. That is true. Alright, opening the show tonight for Dynamite, we had Hangman Page versus Brian Cage, uh, the Battle of Page versus Cage. Uh, As Page is making his entrance, all of Team Taz come out and jump him on the stage before Dark Order comes out to run them off. Uh, Brian Cage takes advantage of this and power bops Adam Page, or power bombs, sorry, power bombs Adam Page right on the steel, uh, not the steel stage, the steps, or the, the stage, I guess. Um, and then the match begins. Uh, this is mainly Brian Cage dominating for a while. Um, and it's kind of expected since they did obviously get the, uh, the advantage here, attacking Page before the bell. Page did get some of his spots in, like, the standing moonsault. Um, he never, never got the buckshot Larry. He attempted for it once, but missed. Um, and then Brian Cage won with the, the drill claw. Um... I'm not gonna yeah. lie, I was kind of shocked by this. Yeah, huge upset, honestly. If you know, maybe like not physically by all means, but just no, absolutely. But like booking wise and like booking from, wise, yeah, because they noted that Paige was the number one uh, ranked person for quite yes. some time. Yeah, and Cage, weeks. Cage was not even in the top five, and Cage just beat Paige here. Um, so, very interesting to see this, especially since we're coming up on Double or Nothing very shortly. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, Omega's going to need a challenger. So, yeah. um, uh, very interesting. What are, you, what are your thoughts on it? Um, so, I, from, from like, at this point in the show, I was like, oh, okay. 
uh, yeah, Brian Cage is going to challenge Omega. But then we obviously got the stuff with Eddie Kingston later, right. um, where I feel like Kingston could be. But I still think they're going to do Kingston versus Mox, or sorry, Kingston and Moxley versus the Young Bucks at the pay per view. So I'm kind of leaning towards Brian yeah. Cage getting the title shot. Yeah, I was kind of um, thinking that too. I think this was like, you know, you don't really want to have Page and Omega this soon, right? So I feel like this was a good way to, you know, have like like have um what's his name? Page like suffer this like shocking defeat and it's going to have to make him work his way up again. You know what I mean? Like Yeah, no, absolutely. So they could. That's a, that was a good way for them to hold off if they want to do uh, Pagers as Omega eventually, like hold it off for a while, you know? Because it, I personally think it's too soon. Um, the only thing I was thinking was that like I wouldn't have been, I wouldn't have been upset if they did Page versus Omega at the pay per view, mm-hmm. um, and I wouldn't have assumed Omega was going to lose. I think uh, Hangman probably would have lost. And he would have faced Omega again either later this year or sometime next year. And that's when he would beat Omega. But I, I was thinking it would take him like two tries to beat Omega. Um, but I'm not upset by this. And something interesting that they could technically do, uh, Brian Cage does have the FTW championship. And they've obviously been teasing the split from Team Taz with him, with uh, his tension between him, Taz, and Ricky Starks. Theoretically, somehow Brian Cage could put the FTW title on the line with Omega, since Omega's running with the gimmick of the belt collector. And if Cage loses that title, it would give him more of a reason to leave Team Taz, because Taz could be upset that Cage lost his title. Um, So that is something to keep in mind, I think. Yeah, I agree. Um, Moving right along... We see all of the Elite in a limo backstage. They're no longer in their trailer after it was destroyed last week. Uh, We have uh, Kenny, Don, the Bucks, and uh, the Good Brothers, as well as the reveal of Michael Nakazawa as the driver. Um, They talk. Kenny inexplicably does not have the Impact titles with him because, as I presume with this being a taped show, they did not have the Impact titles with them. Uh, most likely to prevent like spoilers coming out that Kenny had the titles, um, but right. regardless, they, uh, they I think they did well to work around that by just having them in the limo here, so he didn't have to have the belts. Um, but basically, they talk about how uh, they're angry about last week with Kingston and Moxley destroying the trailer that they spent their hard-earned money on. Um, but Kenny says he's not scared. But then we hear horns and. All of the guys in the limo start reacting, scared like babies, basically, before the window rolls down for the limo, and we see Michael Nakazawa in the driver's seat saying he hit the wrong button. And uh, Kenny then reveals that if Kingston wants him, he's going to have to deal with Nakazawa. And so, yeah, that was our setup for Michael Nakazawa versus Eddie Kingston tonight. Or Sorry, not Michael, uh, M.T. Nakazawa. Yeah, very interesting. Uh, after this, we got Matt and Mike Seidel versus the Young Bucks. This was referred to as a title eliminator match. Basically, if uh, Matt and Mike won here, they would earn a title shot against the Bucks. Uh, we got Don Callis on commentary saying that everybody needs to uh, thank him for bringing out the old Young Bucks and giving them this new attitude. Um, this was, I think this is what you kind of expected from these guys. It was... Uh, a fast-paced match. It was pretty short, but it was uh, it was decently fast here. Um, I think the weirdest thing about this match <laughs> was the fact that like halfway through, the Young Bucks attempted to do twin magic, 
and despite them not looking anything alike in commentary saying like oh rick knox clearly sees that uh it's not the right buck but then rick knox just like didn't mind and just let it keep going uh as i texted in our group chat during this rick knox his new gimmick is that he's a senile old man because how <laughs> yeah that's a bit goofy i mean two, two very different looking people yeah uh, so uh but this uh this kind of played the young bucks advantage obviously uh yeah somehow <laughs> uh they uh they did also some synergy here tony shivani i believe was the one who called it but there was a uh there was a low blow here and they referred to it as a johnny cage low blow which is a reference to mortal Kombat, which obviously just came out on hbo max which is mm-hmm. owned by warner same with the tnt uh and this low blow allowed them to get the bte trigger and that was it the young bucks won yeah as expected as expected i don't think anybody expected mike and my yeah mike and matt Seidel to win uh after the match we got scu kazarian and daniels coming out onto the stage and frankie basically cuts the majority of this promo and he says that uh matt jackson can keep whatever he has to say to himself him and daniels uh talk about how they always wanted to face the bucks for the titles because they're friends but now they don't want that because of their new attitudes and their questionable wardrobe choices and uh they remind us obviously of the stipulation that we have going with scu where the next time they lose a tag match they will break up and cease to exist and they said that they're ready to use their number one ranking for a title shot and that they plan on taking the one thing that matters to the bucks it's going to be the tag team titles. So, it does appear that SCU are going to be taking their title shots um, fairly soon. Uh, mm-hmm. And we'll talk about that actually a bit later because there's a match that was announced for Blood and Guts that has an implication for this. Which is interesting because that's not what I thought was going to happen. But, um, yeah. Uh, we got a promo from Jade Cargill where she continued her thing from last week saying that all of the managers are trying to recruit her but she only wants one if they aren't going to take her hard-earned money and have something beneficial for her and once again she runs with her line stating at the end of her promo that she is that bitch yeah Uh, i wonder who who that person could be i don't think it's going to be vicky just because vicky's already with nyla yeah no i don't think it's going to be matt because matt already has ally uh with butcher and the blade Right. Um, so either it's going to be somebody new, or as I mm-hmm. said to Ryan, you know, they can always split up Jake the Snake Roberts and Lance Archer, and we can get Jake Roberts with Jade. <laughs> that would be a very weird pairing. That would be the best pairing. Yeah. You can have Sweaty Jake. Sweaty Jake, baby. <laughs> um, yeah. Dude, uh, I wonder how, as, as uh, Florida gets hotter, because oh, dude, don't even, don't even start. the summer. How sweaty do you think Jake Roberts That man's got to be, that man's got, has to be praying for AEW to start touring again so they can get in some, like, AC, like, arenas. For real, dude. He's had enough. They might just, like, if it's, like, during, like, the summer, they might just keep him in, like, backstage segments so he's not dying. Yeah. And I, 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 I wouldn't complain. I, I just want the man to be comfortable. <laughs> for real, dude. <laughs> he's, he's already, like, not in, like, good health, like, really. Yeah, no, absolutely. Like, he has, like, health issues and stuff, and he's old, so, like... Yeah, don't have that man have a heat stroke. On. That's uh, I agree, hundred percent. 
Uh, after this, we got Penta versus Orange Cassidy. Orange Cassidy has Trent with him, and Penta has Alex, who has just completely elevated his look in this crazy white jacket and black biker gloves. Uh, commentary puts Alex down as looking like a total nerd. Um, and I thought that this was actually a really good TV match. I thought Penta and Orange Cassidy worked really well together. The whole beginning of the match kind of is just working the comedy stuff. Um, Penta wouldn't let Orange Cassidy put his hands in his pants. Um, we got Penta doing Sarah Romero and tossing his glove to Alex, who hopped up on the apron to catch it and then just, like, tripped and fell mm -hmm. uh, to the floor. And then uh, Orange Cassidy went to toss his uh, glasses to Trent, and Trent just, like, completely missed and just stood there. Uh, great stuff. You love to see it. Um, eventually, we did actually get a match here, and I thought it really worked pretty well. Um, again, these guys just, I thought, worked really well together. Uh, as expected, again, Orange Cassidy's kind of been a standout for the last year, and Penta, I think everybody understands, has been somebody who we've wanted to see more of for the last a year and a half with AEW. Um, right. This came down to the end where we got a sort of follow-up from last week. Obviously, Penta beat Trent last week due to the assist from Alex with the microphone. This week it was flipped. Uh, a microphone was brought into the ring, but it was the faces who, uh, who got here because Alex got on the mic and attempted to insult Sue again while putting down Orange Cassidy, but it did not work. Orange Cassidy grabbed him, brought him into the ring as he dropped the mic. Trent gave the mic to uh, Orange Cassidy while the ref was distracted, and we got a really good, like, orange punch from, uh, from uh, what's his face, from Orange Cassidy with the mic in his hand to Penta, and that was the finish. I thought this was a solid finish, and it played off what happened last week, so, I mean, it was consistent booking. Uh, uh, so far, I'm a big fan of this feud with uh, Death Triangle and the Best Friends. I'm excited to see where it goes, and I still have to assume that this is going to be something that plays out in the eventual trios tournament whenever they do it. Oh, yeah, 100%. Because, I mean, it's just kind of crafted. You have these two teams that are made up of, like, your big trios guys. Um, yeah, so. they're definitely going to be at, like, the, the front the front end of that. Yeah, whenever that happens, I would have to assume that these both of these guys would be, like, your two yeah, favorites. They're going to be the posters, yeah. I also have to say... Alex Aberhantes joining Death Triangle and being uh, Penta's manager. Beautiful. Oh, yeah, he's been great, you know? He is fantastic a, in this from role. From a guy who's had, like, you know, just some backstage work. And, and BTE. And he, then he, you know, he really came to on BTE. And it's kind of like, uh, you know, his work on BTE has paid off. And it's brought him to television and stuff, so. Uh, yeah. In a bigger role. So, it's really, you know, it's really good to see. He's been great. I agree. He's, he's definitely been a, a welcome addition. Indeed. After this, we got a brief backstage segment with uh, Tony Schiavone, Britt Baker, and Rebel basically talking about how uh, Britt is now officially the number one ranked woman in AEW. And, yeah. That was pretty much all this was. Mm, yep. And then we got our uh, Blood and Guts parlay with the Pinnacle and the Inner Circle. Um, we officially find out that it's going to be submission or surrender for this match. So no pinfalls. So you can only win via submission or a verbal surrender, which I definitely think is interesting. Apparently yeah. this is a, like, uh, rules of the original war game. So okay. I guess that makes sense. 
Um, this officially starts with uh, Tony Schiavone saying that there's going to be a coin toss for the uh, Blood and Guts advantage. Sean Spears uh, says no to this and says that the Pinnacle will get the advantage because they were lured into this match by the Inner Circle. And for this whole promo, it's basically just uh, everybody going back and forth. Uh, Spears go after Sammy Guevara first, asking how long uh, it's been since he's wrestled. Saying that Chris Jericho is leading them into deep waters, but he'll be there to step on his head and drown him. <laughs> uh, so uh, we have uh, Sean Spears threatening murder. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Sammy responds, and he says that the Pinnacle can have the advantage. But um, he says that he's going to start the match, and uh, he is so he's going to start the match because he wants to fight everyone. So that is your official first spot announced, I guess, for uh, this match. I'm assuming this means that Sammy's going to start, and Spears is going to uh, also start for his team. So Sean. And Sammy, I guess, are going to be the starters for their respective teams, which I'm fine with. I think that makes sense. Um, after this, we have FTR going up next. And they basically target Santana and Ortiz with their promo, noting that they want them to uh, not bring the soft versions of themselves that have been hanging with Chris Jericho. Because if they do, they will not make it out alive. <laughs> uh, so lots of, lots of violence here and threatening the death of the other team. So uh, they're setting this up with uh, some promise of like genuine violence for this match. I hope they can deliver on that. Uh, MJF goes next, and he says how important Jericho was to the start of AEW, saying that he uh, without Jericho, AEW wouldn't exist, and that he also put together one of the greatest groups in all of wrestling. But he can't imagine how much pressure Jericho must be under. We see it every week when he comes out with bloodshot eyes. But next week, MJF's going to do the humane thing and put Jericho down, take his spot, and make his family the greatest group in wrestling. Obviously referring to the Pinnacle, since MJF is like, uh, continually referred to the Pinnacle as his family. And then we get a very fired-up Chris Jericho, which you'll love to see, because when Jericho's fired up, he cuts very good promos. Starts off by uh, calling MJF a self-righteous little prick. Um, he says... He's not going to inherit Jericho's spot the way he did his trust fund. Last week, MJF said he was uh, curtain-jerking in WCW at 25. Jericho's proud of that, but he failed to mention that he was also headlining arenas around the world. It's how he's learned his own respect and got the experience that took him to the top of the game now. He questions how long the Pinnacle family has been together and puts over the inner circle, having been in AEW since day one. He puts over everybody in the group and says that the Pinnacle will have to kill them to win. 1969 was the summer of love, but 2021 will be the summer of pain and violence for the Pinnacle. And next week, summer starts early. Uh, fantastic uh, ending from Chris Jericho. Yeah, yeah once again, um, death being uh, mentioned here. Yeah, Threatened or again, mentioned. Yeah. Just a, <laughs> lots of violence being uh, talked about here. Um what do you think, with it being one week out, who do you think is going to win this? Uh, this one's tough. Uh, I think this one is actually uh, very tough. Um, That's your answer? His... <laughs> 
<laughs> no, you kind of cut out a little bit. Um, but I think this is very tough. Um, you don't want the Pinnacle to lose because I feel like, you know, obviously they're very new. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, yeah, you know, you have the inner circles, like these like huge baby faces now. And you have Jericho working as like a huge baby face after like just being a heel in AEW since AEW has, you know, started. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's really tough. Um, but I think what you'll probably want is the pinnacle to win, you know, to keep them on top. And especially if you, you're like seeing them as like a form of like the next horseman, even though they're not formally called that. Um, I think it'd be, you know, smart to have the pinnacle win this one. Yeah, I agree. I think the pinnacle are going to win. Uh, I don't know who's going to take the pin for their team. Um, I would have to assume it's going to be either like Santana or Ortiz or maybe Sammy. Um, and I think moving, I don't think this is the end of this feud. I think you're probably going to see it break off into singles matches for everybody. So I think you'll probably see FTR versus Santana and Ortiz, Wardlow and Hager. Um... Spears, Spears and Sammy. Sammy, and then I think you're probably at double or nothing. I think they're probably going to do Jericho and MJF again. Yeah, see, that's why um, I think it's so perfect how like how it's set up because you know it gives them plenty of matches. Own, yeah, they can exactly. Have their own story, yeah. Um, either way, I'm excited. I just hope that with again with this promo specifically touting like this level of violence, I hope that they can actually deliver. Uh, on oh, that. I which I which I also don't doubt AEW anytime that they've promised like a violent match, they've given it to everybody. So. Um, we'll see. Yeah, absolutely. After this, we have MT Nakazawa, who's just sitting in the corner of the ring on his laptop. Eddie Kingston comes out. Eddie cuts a promo saying to cut his music and shouting about how he's not here for this sports entertainment crap. He wants Kenny. Uh, Kenny comes out with Don. Uh, and as Kenny's talking, Nakazawa attacks Kingston from the uh, from the back with his laptop. Eddie clearly, like, very, very evidently puts Nakazawa in his place, gets him on the on the floor of the mat, and grabs Nakazawa's chair, puts it around his ankle, and threatens to break it. Uh, Kenny mm-hmm. says, Kenny hesitates here, but he eventually says that, uh, that he gives Kingston permission to break his ankle. Nakazawa knew what he was doing, uh, but then he kind of backs off of that, says, wait... We have other goons, and he calls for Brandon Cutler. Brandon Cutler gets thrown out onto the stage, and we see that Moxley's the one doing this. And Moxley uh, gets in here, and uh, we officially uh, get what's-his-face uh, Kenny in the ring. They take the chair off of Nakazawa. They put it around his ankle, and Don's reacting like a scared little child on stage. And they say that they want one thing into the mic. And Don says, you can have anything you want. And uh, they threaten to break Kenny's ankle if they don't give him a tag match against Kenny. So next week, it's going to be Kenny and Nakazawa versus Moxley and Kingston. Yeah, very interesting. Uh, I think it's very clear who's taking the pin in that match. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, you don't say that, dude. Um, Omega, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I still, again, this is why I think it's interesting that they positioned Kingston here. Uh, obviously, because Cage beat Page in the opener. Um, and so I thought very clearly that we're going to be heading towards Cage versus Omega. But I guess Eddie Kingston could be another challenger they do. Um, yeah. 
I don't think either guy is going to beat Omega, so it doesn't really matter in hindsight. But right, um, yeah, very interesting. Yeah, I, at yeah, the very I, I think like a few weeks ago, I figured that you know Kingston would be an eventual challenger for the for Omega. Yeah, I still just I I have a feeling that they're going to do the Young Bucks versus Kingston Moxley, especially because the Young Bucks turned yeah. on Moxley. So it just that'd make more sense too. Yeah. So I mean, we still have a couple weeks till um, Double or Nothing. So I guess we'll find out. Yeah. Uh, we go backstage. Taz is being interviewed by Tony Schiavone, and he's bragging about Brian Cage winning. And then he starts bringing up Christian. Christian comes in, and he says Taz is living vicariously through Team Taz, uh, since he wishes he could come back to wrestle like Christian did. And now Taz wants to live vicariously through Christian. Taz can send everyone. He'll take them down one by one, and slowly he's going to show Ricky Starks and Brian Cage that they'd be better off without Taz. Uh, so I do think Ricky versus Christian's probably going to happen. <sighs> Either on that May 12th show that we'll talk about shortly, or Double or mm-hmm. Nothing. Um, yeah, which I'm cool. all for. I think Ricky and Christian should be a really good match. Oh, absolutely. Uh, we get our women's match for the night. It's uh, Chris Statlander versus Penelope Ford. Uh, pretty solid women's match, not going to lie. Pretty good to see Penelope Ford wrestling again. We haven't seen... I don't know the last time we saw Penelope Ford wrestle. Um, and obviously Chris Statlander just came back from in- uh, injury at mm-hmm. the uh, Arcade Anarchy match. Um, Penelope had the really good match last year with uh, Sheeta, and then they never really followed up with that, which I was kind of disappointed on. But I thought these two worked a, a pretty solid match here. Not going to complain about it. Um, Chris won with the uh, whatever her finisher is called. I forget what the, big, the big Bang, bang theory. theory. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah. Yeah, these two had great chemistry. Honestly, I agree. Um, I'd be definitely down to see more stuff between them. Yeah, I agree. Um, and I think Chris is really good, and she's very promising. Yeah, I think Chris um, looks I think better. She's a, she's to like me, a she looks staple. Yeah, like, yeah. I was gonna say, I think she looks better to me now than she did when she was like uh, wrestling before. Yeah, oh, um, yeah, you can. Yeah, you can tell that she's not like green at all anymore. She's yeah, she's, she doesn't look green. She looks more confident. And, um, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, worth noting, Kip Sabian was out with Penelope. No sight of Miro. Right, and it was noted that Kip would not address Miro on this show, um, and. That sent us to a video package of uh, from Ten talking about what Brody Lee meant to him, which was a, a really nice touch. I thought gave some nice character to Ten, yeah. um, somebody who we haven't really got that much time with. Exactly. <laughs> After this, we had the Factory versus the Nightmare Family in a trios match. Uh, QT Marshall, Nick Camarado, and Aaron Solo came in on the Nightmare Family bus, um, and as they came out. Uh, Billy Gunn, Dustin Rhodes, and Lee Johnson came out very quickly, and they met them with a brawl. Uh, this was pretty pretty quick stuff. <laughs> um, uh, the factory uh, won. That, that's that's pretty much all we need to talk about. Uh, Anthony Agogo was also here with the factory and got involved. Um, but yeah, uh, the factory won. I think everybody kind of expected that. Um, after the match, Nick Camarado brought the uh, the bull rope back out. And he beat down Dustin with it. Uh, QT fled to the bus. And who was waiting in the bus when he got there? But Cody Rhodes. Cody Rhodes is back. He uh, he kicks he's down the door. He's back in jeans. Yeah, he's back in jeans. He's back in black. Jeans. He, uh, he kicks down the door and starts brawling with QT. And we get the most dangerous spot I've ever seen in my life where QT and him are up on the roof of the bus. And what does Cody do? 
He puts him in the figure four leg lock. <laughs> he does something so menacing. How devastating of a maneuver like, is the figure like the, four? I like the call from from uh, Bleedos Tony. Oh my god, he's put him in the figure four leg lock on top of the bus. Like that adds an <laughs> element that makes it more painful. <laughs> I honestly thought he was just gonna like slam him like a power bomb on the. That's what I thought it was gonna be. Crossroads. I thought it was gonna be like that or something where he like opened one of like the emergency exit hatches and like tossed him through there. Literally anything would have been more devastating than the fucking figure four like dude. And and commentary did not help with. Oh jeez, dude, I hate that shit. WWE does it too, where like people will hit like (sighs) submissions on like the announce table or something, and it's like yeah. I think it's like no a sense. it's like a pro wrestling issue. It's like a trope. Yeah, it's a trope in wrestling, and it makes no sense. <laughs> yeah, it's so stupid. Um, anyway, uh, after this, we do see Kip talking backstage with. Uh, he goes to talk to Miro backstage, and as he enters the room, Miro just absolutely murders this man. <laughs> uh, this was this was the Miro I think everybody's been waiting to see. Obviously, his promos have been uh, pretty exceptional in that regard. Last week, we officially got him dubbing Sting. The emo face paint daddy in his promo. Those are actual words that Miro uttered. Mm -hmm. This week he murders Kip Sabian backstage, tosses him into the the steel door or whatever it is. Um, And then he holds, like, Kip on the ground like he's, like, like, cuddling a baby. And uh, he tells Sabian that he forgives him. And that was that. So I'm assuming we're going to get a match between these two at some point. Um, and I would yeah. assume Kip is just going to die. I still, th- I, I'm assuming Miro has to be the person to take the title off Darby, the TNT title. Yeah, I agree. I don't, I don't see any other person winning, so. Yeah, neither do I. Uh, the main event was Darby Allen versus 10. Uh, Sting was out with Darby. Dark Order was with 10, as expected. Thought this was actually a really solid match. I thought this was the best 10s looked on TV. Um, mm-hmm. he had a really cool, like, slingshot German suplex off the, uh, off the, the, the ring ropes, which I thought looked really cool. Um, and we got a, a pretty, I like, something I really like about Darby Allen is, Dar- Darby won, uh, I think as many people expected here, but. Yeah, spoiler. Uh, yeah, spo- spoiler. Something we've seen recently with Darby is that he's winning his title matches with, like, a variety of different ways. Like he had to put Matt Hardy through a table uh, mm-hmm. in their uh, Falls County anywhere match last week. He won with the last supper this week. He won with just like rolling through a move from uh, 10 to basically get the roll through or roll up victory. Um, yeah. And obviously he's the coffin drop. I like that. He has a variety of ways he's winning matches. It makes him feel like an underdog in some respects while still being a very respectable champion, but it shows that he's fighting like full force and is going to do anything to win, but he's not like cheating or anything. Um, so I actually really like that. I agree. Um, like, see, I, I have like a, like an issue with the coffin drop. Um, it just kind of like, doesn't seem as devastating, especially from, you know, Darby Allen, because he's like, he's, he's very small. Yeah. Um, so it could be a possibility he's like trying to figure out, you know, another move or like something like that. You know what I mean? To that's, yeah, that's always or... that's always possible. Because sometimes um, it doesn't make sense on bigger guys, you know, like because no, I agree. Sometimes when he hits t- it on bigger guys, it does not guy, look as good. I mean? Yeah, like, it's just like how's that gonna really put you out? You know, 
Yeah, there's a there's a variety of ways he hits it, um, and sometimes it looks significantly better than others. I will agree with that. Um, at one point during the match, Ethan Page came out and got involved. He took down Darby. Uh, this led to Preston kind of saying, like, what do I do? Do I take advantage or not? Which I thought was nice character work for him. Uh, Darby wins, though. After the match, he gets jumped by Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page. Sting gets jumped as well. Uh, Scorpio Sky makes Sting tap, like, have a visual tap out in the ring, um, with the, the, uh, the knee bar, or the, like, leg lock, whatever you want to call it, um, while Ethan Page holds Darby down to, uh, force him to watch Sting tap out. I thought that was really nice, um, but eventually, uh, Lance Archer and Ten come out to make the save, um, so yeah, it does seem like we're heading towards Sting and Darby Allen versus Ethan Page and, uh, what's his face? Uh, Scorpio Sky, and if they're not doing that, if they're going to do this at double or nothing, I would again, I would assume Darby's defending the title against Miro there, so we might be getting Lance Archer and Sting versus uh, Scorpio and Ethan Page. Mm-hmm. And I would assume, that. yeah, I would assume that's going to be another cinematic match with, sure, fine, uh, why not, I guess. <laughs> um, right. Also, I uh, completely forgot about this, after the match uh, with Darby and Ten, they had a moment where... Uh, a ten had a, a like an armband on that said Brody on it, and Darby took it off of him, and uh, held it up for the camera before the two hugged, which was a, a really nice moment. So, I like that Darby Allen has a like a, a respect for the Dark Order and wants to keep defending his title against them. Agreed. Um. So, what would you what would you give this episode of Dynamite, Joey? Um, I'd give it a thumbs up. Um, there was nothing like terrible about it, or you know, commentary was pretty good for the most part except, except Tony with the figure four leg lock on, <laughs> on top of the bus yeah if we were going to give anything boomer of the week it'd be that <laughs> um, top of the bus no that always that always uh, it's a knee slapper that always gets me a knee slapper indeed uh, yeah I'd also give it a thumbs up not one of the not like the best episode of Dynamite but again nothing nothing bad I thought opening with Brian Cage getting the upset win over Paige was pretty good mm-hmm. um the only real negative thing I'd have to say about this show was the the Buck stuff with Rick Knox not recognizing that uh <laughs> that the wrong man was in and just going oh, with yeah, it. Oh yeah, that's really silly. Um, I really liked Penta and Orange Cassidy. I thought that was good. The inner or the inner circle and uh, Pinnacle parlay for Blood and Guts I thought was a fantastic mm. promo segment. Great, great, yeah. Um, Chris and Stat or sorry, Chris and Penelope Ford I thought was really solid. Uh, the, the Factory and Nightmare Family I didn't really have thoughts on because it was very quick and I thought the main event was also really solid yeah I agree so, I'm really curious uh, to see how it, it draws in the ratings because you know I feel like it's weird because I, f- I feel like in the past like episodes that like I thought were like really good and like intense and all that stuff like got like a lower rating than like ones that were like eh you know what I mean like yeah like, the oh. only thing like it's it's a weird consistency you know yeah, so AEW's running on a pretty big high since going on opposed with their ratings. Their their first week mm-hmm. on opposed they did one, they had one point two million viewers. Last week they had one point one million viewers. Mm-hmm. This week I'm assuming it's gonna be not I don't know how low it's gonna be. I think it's gonna be low because tonight was Biden's address to Congress, uh, during AEW. Uh, which it's his first time addressing Congress, uh Congress, I don't know why I said it like that, but I that's gonna probably be a factor into the rating yeah. tonight. The bigger thing, I think, is next week with Blood and Guts, barring some major news story that takes over the news, I think that they should, if they don't do a huge number next week, I would take that as a bad sign. But 
Especially because, as we're going to talk about shortly, they did pretty much stack Blood and Guts with, like, a full, like, uh, like card here. Um, and it's a very promising card as well. Um, but right. next week next week is definitely the one to look forward to because Blood and Guts has been something that we've known about for a year now. And they're finally mm-hmm. doing it. So, uh, And with it being on free TV, one would have to assume it would get a big audience. Yeah, I agree. Uh, but I did say there's a full card. So let's go through that. They announced the rest of the Blood and Guts card. Originally, they had said it was going to be a one-match card. That has changed. We now have several matches for this show. Yeah, I was about to say. Uh, so we have Cody versus QT Marshall. There's no stipulation or anything, just a regular singles match. Mm-hmm. Uh, Eddie Kingston and John Moxley versus uh, MT Nakazawa and Kenny Omega in a tag team match. Britt Baker, the number one contender to shoot his title, will be in action. We have a, uh, a four-way eliminator match where the winner will get a title shot against the, the, the Young Bucks on the May 12th edition of Dynamite. It is going to be the Acclaimed versus Jurassic Express versus the Varsity Blondes versus SCU. Uh, so SCU obviously has said that they wanted their title shot against the Bucks. Uh, but technically they could lose this, uh, not get the title shot on May 12th, and then get the title shot at the pay-per-view, or they could get the title shot here on May 12th and lose. Um <laughs> So that, and then the fifth match is Blood and Guts. So five matches next week, but that's the card. That's a pretty stacked card, I think. Specifically, uh, the 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 four-way tag match and Blood and Guts are, are pretty big stuff. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And then <laughs> they had the audacity to announce the, uh, the May 12th card. Uh, <laughs> so we're getting, so two weeks out, we're getting the uh, the tag team title match, the Young Bucks versus the winners of the, uh, the Fatal 4-Way. And... In a huge shock to, I think, everybody, because I, I assumed this was happening on New Japan Strong when it first came out that we were getting this match, but John Moxley will be defending the IWGP U.S. Heavyweight Championship against Yuji Nagata on from Dynamite. From left field. From left this came field. out of absolutely nowhere. Uh, yeah. This this was just insane to see announced. Um, wild. I think that this makes it very clear that like if somebody thought that like the Kenta thing was a one-off... The fact mm. that Moxley is not only appearing with the U.S. title, but defending it on on free television <laughs> against Yuji Nagata. So weird, dude. I, it has to make it very clear that New Japan and AEW were working together, and it's just a matter of COVID. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. So and, this is pr- pretty huge stuff. Oh, absolutely. And it also shows how uh, that New Japan really, uh, you know, wants to get more eyes from their, uh, their uh, what's it called? They're Western uh, fans. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm very excited for that. That's gonna be. I'm. I, I just. I think that's gonna be great. Um, yeah. As absolutely. I think we are. All of us pretty much have been very open that we love Yuji uh, Nagata and seeing Moxley defend this title on AEW is pretty wild. Not gonna lie. I agree. <laughs> that is so weird to me. <laughs> Do you think Yuji Nagata has a chance to win the belt? I think he does. Um, okay. Ryan said the same thing. I think it might be time for the title to finally come uh, come back home. Um, and I think uh, Nagata would be great, you know. I mean, if you look at it, he can still go. And also, if you look at it, you know, they gave uh, Suzuki the uh, never open weight title. Um, and he had a good run with it and stuff. So it's, it's not about, like, whether or not he's, like, because he's old or not and they don't trust him. But, you know, New Japan... 
clearly trusts uh, Nagata and Suzuki. So, and you know, I could definitely see him take it off. Because yeah, I don't think at this so. point, who else? You know what I mean? I don't it's, think it's out of the realm really of possibility. To... Um, you do have to remember that there are two other people who've stated in New Japan that they want the U.S. title. Uh, and they're in a title match coming up at Wrestling Duntaku. One of them is going to have to lose that match. And from there, they could come to the U.S. to challenge Moxley. And those two people are Hiroshi Tanahashi and Jay White. Mm. And if right. you want to play the Jay White card... Jay White also lives in Florida. Uh, mm. So, if he were to come over, challenge for the IWGP US title, could win it, and he could defend it or just be on strong and dynamite occasionally. Um, you know, that's a good point because, you know, with this, you know, this could just be like a crutch, you know? This could just be the, like, you know, have eyes on Nagata, you know, get the crowd, you know, to see Nagata, like the US. Uh, like, you know, like, U.S., like, Dynamite fans that don't really know much about New Japan, this can, like, get them to have their, like, you know, eyes on it, and then maybe, like, maybe not weekly, but, like, bi-weekly or something, have, you know, Moxley defend that, that title. You know what I mean? Like, open challenge. Yeah, um, I would be down for that. And just have a bunch of, like, New Japan guys come, you know? And then, like well, you, you don't said, even have to have like New Japan. You can have some oh, New no, Japan no, no, guys. You can yeah, also yeah, use yeah. guys that but, are like on strong or whatever. Technically, but that could you know play a part where Jay White, you know, where you insert Jay White. Yeah, I I'm not against that at all. Which would be big. That'd be you know, huge. Just imagine Moxley and Jay White like on Dynamite. <laughs> yeah, um, or I even mean, like, at a pay per view, or even at like a you know like a new like a not New Japan like a AEW pay per view. Yeah, I mean, outside of the WWE, I feel like Jay White has to be one of the biggest names in wrestling. Um, mm -hmm. So I think that would be beneficial for him, New Japan, and AEW to bring him in eventually. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so it remains to be seen, but I I don't think Nagata's going to win. I think if anybody from New Japan's going to take it off Moxley, I think it's probably going to be Jay. Um, That's which fair. I'm I'm not I'm not opposed to. I think Moxley and Jay would be fantastic. Yeah, I know. I agree. I mean, Jay is fantastic, and he deserves something <laughs> so yeah. so what you're saying is by by that so you don't think he's gonna beat uh tanahashi for the never for the never belt no i don't think so but i think if, if he does win then i think tanahashi probably could come over to AEW um the challenge okay um especially because tanahashi and jericho already did like uh for their match at wrestle kingdom uh what was it Last year, uh, 2020, Wrestle Kingdom, right. they kind of worked in the AEW title to their storyline without New Japan. They were just like, on Twitter, they were working about it. Um, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Uh, clearly, Tanahashi and Jericho are friends, um, which I think would be beneficial to bringing Tanahashi over for like a special occasion. And that would also be huge, because Tanahashi is right. an absolute legend, and seeing him versus I mean, Moxley yeah. on AEW would be wild. Yeah, um, absolutely. Of course, this is all fantasy and speculation, but uh, again, I think Tanahashi and and uh, Tanahashi or Jay White would be the ones who I think would take it off of uh, Moxley. Yeah, that's a that's a fair bet. And I don't. I think New Japan has New Japan strong, but I think they know people don't really watch it that much, and so doing, yeah, that's like yeah, that's the issue. doing I a mean, title match. If if they can't do the title match on one of their shows, I feel like they know doing it on AEW would get the most attention. Right. Right. I mean, it hurt. It hurts them a little bit, not like you know, not being on like a 
TV network, you know, because a lot of American fans don't really know about uh, New Japan World. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, like not not having a TV deal in America, and also mm. when they have New Japan Strong, there's no fans or anything, um, which yeah. definitely the presentation isn't the best. Right. Um, so, but regardless, very interesting to see that we're uh, that's the direction we're going. Yeah, agreed. Uh, so that's going to do it. Thank you for joining us for this week's Dynamite review. Uh, you can join us next week. We'll be back for Blood and Guts. Yes, uh, we will. Ryan and maybe one of us will be back for Impact tomorrow night, the Fallout show uh, from Rebellion. And we'll also possibly have reviews out for Wrestling Duntaku, uh, which is two nights for New Japan next week. So, uh, yeah, stay, stay tuned. Subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening to, and also subscribe to us on YouTube because you can also listen to the podcast there. And you'll also get bonus content like our uh, our punishments for our prediction challenges that we do for big events. Right. Absolutely. So thanks for listening. Uh, we hope you have a wonderful rest of your week, uh, a pleasant weekend, especially with the weather getting better, at least uh, for us here on the East Coast. Um, and we'll talk to you guys next time.